Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast. I'm your host, comedian and film critic Nate Wyckoff. This, of course, is the podcast where we talk about two films, a mainstream film and a cult film that have thematic links. And we discuss them both. Um, this week is going to be part one of the double feature Cat Scratch Fever. And I'm not talking about a racist singer from the 80s. I'm talking about uh, the 2019 film Cats, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're going to follow it up with that classic uh, Halle Berry and Pitoff's masterwork, Catwoman. Uh, so I think a lot of people know about these movies. And a lot of people know that these movies were critical and heavily financial bombs. Um, now, we're going to talk about whether or not they deserve it, why they deserve it, how they deserve it. And uh, yeah, we're going to touch on a lot of stuff. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about cats. Uh, Tad, how are you doing? He is our first one on the panel. Tad Mastrioni, how you feeling? I think CGI has honestly ruined humanity. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm turning into Andre 3000. All right. Greg Johnson, you are also on. How are you doing today, my friend? Uh, go fuck yourself, Nate. <laughs> I love that they use that intro. <laughs> there, there are certain times when I send out the films uh, for the panel where I just am gleeful all day, uh, and I save. I wait till the last minute of the day before I send it out, and then I just wait. Uh, this is one of those times. We might also be joined, hopefully, uh, by uh, Mandy Longley. Oh, here's Mandy. So uh, we will certainly have Mandy in this discussion as well. Now I'm going to go into just the the plot with quotation marks of cats of course cats is the uh famous still running long running one of the longest running show musicals in history um by andrew lloyd weber and it is primarily a dance show uh with obviously music and singing but dancing is is the the main feature of this show the plot is up for debate they say it's uh, andrew Lloyd Webber says it's based off of uh the jellicle cats poem by t.s Eliot, and i will just tell you that you can talk to 10 different people uh five of them will despise cats and say there is no plot the other five will say it's brilliant and you just didn't get it so i don't know where everybody falls on this but this is my interpretation and this is specifically to the film because they definitely change some vi some visual cues and add a little bit uh, which we'll talk about uh, and subtract other things from the stage production 
in this film version. Now, the plot is it opens when a car backs up to a, uh, a, f a fenced alleyway in sort of a, I don't know, 1950s, 2000s uh, alleyway in, in some city, New York, I guess. Uh, and they throw a bag or lap sack over the fence and they drive away and all of these cat people uh, jellical cats, which is they're called. And no, I'm not saying angelical. It is the it is a different term that was created. Uh, it's J L L whatever. Anyway, this has a cat in it, the white cat. She's not referred to as the white cat in anything other than the script. Uh, and perhaps in the stage show, there's some reference, but it's very hard to tell. And we'll hear why. But she's a white cat, and uh, all the other cats sort of are like, are you a jellical cat? Jellical cats are special. Here's why jellical cats are special. And they go with a whole bunch of gibberish in song that you can't understand. Um, but the point is, is that they're all teaching her the ways of the jellical cats because that night is a, a basically a talent show to see who gets reincarnated. Um, and that's kind of one of the, the accepted things. Basically, there's a, a magician cat who is not a nice guy uh, played by uh, Idris Elba, and we're going to get into that as well. Uh, very beautiful, talented actor. And then we're going to talk about um, all the other casting choices. But anyway, he wants to be reincarnated, but he's known as a cheat and, a, and an evil magician. And so he starts to kidnap all of the cats that are going to compete with their musical numbers, because that's what the show is about. Whoever sings the song of their life or who they are most effectively will get chosen by uh, the aged cat Deuteronomy uh, to, to ascend into, into reincarnation. And I'm using that term, it's never used in the movie uh, or in the stage play. Now, at the end, uh, the ostracized cat who was basically used and abused and left in the alley by Idris Elba's evil cat in the past, uh, played by the incredibly talented Jennifer Hudson, she is the one that, whose song has the most powerful meaning. Deuteronomy chooses her to be reincarnated thanks to the intervention of uh, our lead, Victoria the White Cat. There's so flipping much to talk about with this movie that I want to get to. Um, <clears throat> but the end scene has uh, um, Griselda, Griselda anyway, we'll get into the names, Jennifer Hudson's character, the, alley, the, the thrown away alley cat, ascending in this film in like a chandelier balloon, like a balloon attached to a chandelier that floats into the sky and disappears. The, the stage production is often more of a straight up UFO. Um, I don't know what to say about that, but <clears throat> I will say this. My wife, who is a musical theater uh, major and has done lots of theater work, uh, Cats in New York is one of the only shows that she's been privy to where she's attended and at intermission a huge number of the of, of the audience left uh, uh, because it's very difficult to understand what's going on and the actual like script and the lyrics and everything it does not form a very cohesive narrative I think in most cases it's just this one cat meeting other cats who all have weird ass lives that don't make sense most of the song lyrics are rhyming gibberish I would say they really it's big on Andrew Labor was big on rhyming uh, and did he write the lyrics to this or just the music? I don't know. But regardless, uh, I'm sorry. I am not a huge musical knowledge person. Um, uh, but suffice it to say, it's a confusing show. And the movie becomes even more bizarre, uh, which we'll get into. I said some of the cast, but we'll get into it. I just want to dive right in with now that I've, I've, I've blasted you all with quote unquote cat's plot. Tad, 
you requested to go first on this movie. Now, you had not seen, I don't know if you'd seen the show or heard the show, but you had not seen the movie until I, until I assigned this. What were you expecting and what was your takeaway now that you've seen it? I expected garbage and I got worse than I could have ever fucking imagined. Holy <laughs> fuck. Look what they did to my boy Idris Elba. So... The, <laughs> the, the, no, no, no. I am going to go and no one is going to interrupt me until I until I'm done. All right. And it won't you have take the floor, long. good sir. I, I try I promise it won't take long and I'm going to try not to step on any toes here, all right? This is a horror movie. Nathan, I thought we were doing cat-themed musical/action movies, but this was one of the scariest movies I've ever watched in my life. All right. The amount of alcohol I had to consume to get through this movie um, was obscene. Um, I talked to a friend who tried to watch this movie last year, and she said we couldn't get drunk enough to finish this movie. That that uh, that that told me everything I needed to know. Um, this reminded me of the time that I tried to watch Repo: The Genetic Opera. And that was a movie that I too tried to get drunk enough to get through and quit halfway through because it was that bad. And I think now I need to give Repo another shot because I think I gave it a disservice by not giving it that full, my full attention. Um, I literally was sitting next to my wife watching this movie and I started dry heaving watching Rebel Wilson's character roll around like this is cat porn. Like this was pornographic on a level that i can't quite describe no rebel wilson i'm not going to go down on you okay that's not going to happen um you heard it here first folks yeah sorry i'm not going to do it um my cat was in the room the entire time this movie was going on and i'm fairly sure that my cat was offended by this movie not only that i think he tried to stop the movie several times because he kept hopping on the keyboard to stop the movie by the time the movie was done, I am fairly sure he was um, claiming cultural appropriation. <laughs> so, <movie>. so, yes, <laughs> I, Nathan. I agree. I know. I'm not. I'm not trying to cut you off. We're gonna. We're gonna circle back. I do want to say this movie came out in 2019, and I saw everyone saw, of course, the trailer, and I saw it in theaters by myself because. I agree with you. My intention was, is I said, this is going to be the most terrifying film of the year. And hands down, it is, especially when you're in a, an actual theater with this playing out on the big screen. Um, I, you mentioned Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson and James Corden both play cats in this, and they make up for about 25% of the movie being fat jokes. Uh, the film, it's, it's Rebel Wilson is who, of course, now has famously lost a lot of weight. She's, she's very fit, looks great. And I mean, she looked great before this. You didn't have to lose weight. But I'm going to say this. One of the biggest atrocities to me with Rebel Wilson's performance is not actually anything she did wrong, per se, because you know that this is director Tom Hooper probably they they chose to do these like fat physical fat jokes right of her rolling around falling off of everything which we all know cats do that i think that's pretty much the antithesis of antithesis of cats but i saw her live uh perform ursula's songs from disney's little mermaid and she killed it she is quite a vocal performer and yet i don't think she actually gets to really sing once in this like she has a whole song 
where she doesn't sing. And Nathan, it's nobody sings in this movie no. except for Ian McKellen. Uh, I'm gonna it's, we'll and, talk and about that. Jennifer internet. Hudson, Jennifer Hudson, of course, has the best song and sings, and she she does memory, which is arguably the the only real hit out of the cats song-wise. Um, but we also have James Corden who plays the tuxedo cat, fat cat. I, I'm not gonna give you all of the names for the cats because they're gibberish names. Um, it's Fluffer Nutter Jellicle or something. You know, that, that's not a name, but it's very similar. Um, not even Rum Tom Tugger? <laughs> what about Jenny Any Dots or Growl Tiger or, oh, Maitre D? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of Growl Tiger fans who were upset because his uh, last, last dance song was cut. So here's the thing. Um, we all know that this movie was, was panned across the board. Now, when I saw this in theaters, Tad, you kind of gl glazed over what truly is the most upsetting aspect, which is the visuals. Um, I didn't get to it, Nathan. I, I didn't get to it. It's, well, we'll you, look. And the best part is, is that unfortunately the transfer that we all had to watch was not the greatest transfer. And let's touch on that again. So this is actually <laughs> a, a 2K, this is actually a 2K transfer uh it, it's a it's a from a dvd so it's it does have limited thing however a lot of the 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 artifacting in this is is actually not the offense of of the, the media oh, no 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 i don't mean just the the transfer just distracted me from how horrifying every sure facet of their faces That's the transposition much, of their faces was much of the of the artifact that you're seeing though is actually present in the film in the, oh my so God. what happened is this is the only time i've ever heard of this now every once in a while there will be a film who is that is released and uh they'll pull a scene um it used to be really obnoxious because you know when i was working in movie theater years ago it was all film reels and so you would have these big platters that would come in and you would have to actually swap reels um and and so it was a physical process now of course everything is digitally digitally transit uh transmitted and projected um so they can kind of they can they can swap out more easily things but at release at launch of this film it was there was such a they say there was such an immediate uproar we all knew that it was a problem to begin with um and it was so poorly received that uh Productions or distribution said, we're going to get an updated, improved visuals version out Im immediately. They gave it no official time, but that's what we're watching apparently is, is that transfer. Now, I don't, I didn't see, it wasn't out long enough for me to see the original, but considering the quality of a lot of this, I cannot fathom how bad it must have been if this is the quote unquote fixed version. Now, Tom Hooper is often director i mean he directed the king's speech which i believe won an emmy uh and and this film which of course won a razzie uh <clears throat> and he also directed les mis pretty much right before this uh with with uh hugh jackman um and uh, uh why cannot think of her name brokeback mountain nolan's catwoman anyway uh <clears throat> the the issue is is that apparently they were given only the the visual production was only given about four months to do the complete film. They were given pretty much longer per per minute by far, like 
countless times to do the trailer for this movie than they were to actually do the film. So this is four months where the, the production cast for the, for the digital uh, elements, which is, as Tad said, pretty much the entire film, um, had up to 90 hour days. There were people sleeping under the desk and it was, there were tons of fights with director Tom Hooper. Now, Tom Hooper has not made a film since this. I'm sure he will. I'm sure something is already probably in production. This is only after all 2019. It just, just seems like an eternity ago, but I cannot, it gave me, in the video game world, it gave me rock star flashbacks, you know, to people, you know, makers of Grand Theft Auto and Max Payne, you know, the abusing their workers to the point of breakdown. And that was definitely the case with this movie. And you can see it. Some things are not even rendered very well. Like you can, like, it looks like a, a PlayStation 2 era, early PlayStation 2 game, like real rough, like in, um, again, Rebel Wilson's, one of her, her, her main song is early in the movie. And she has dancing mice, which are these weird children's faces planted on these bad right. mice. The, the fur isn't even fully rendered on these guys. Like they look essentially just like sort of polygonal shapes in many scenes. It's, it's really rough. And this is such a large budget, large expense. I mean, Amblin, you know, produced this movie, Steven Spielberg's production company. Uh, I mean, it's, we're talking some big problems. Now, part of that is because Amblin intended for this to be a fully 3D production, but uh, they, their production company that, did, that they wanted to do animation, uh, I think it was like Amblinimation, which is impossibly difficult to say, and is probably one of the big reasons why it did not take off. Um, they folded. And so they brought Tom Hooper on and said, uh, and he said, I want to do this live action. Here's my biggest problem. And I know I've hijacked this. Here's the biggest problem. It is a terrible visual nightmare because the people's faces are fully human just attached to these humanoid caddish bodies it's like i don't even think the furries really enjoyed this on many levels like you know when you saw um disney's like fantastic 3d animated film zootopia which is a really brilliant film like furries were like obsessed with that. And for good reason, not only did you have furry people, uh, but you also had like cross species relationships developing. It is a, but it's a fantastic film. This one, yes, everyone looks naked because they're supposed to be cats and their bodies are just fur, but they're also- Disturbingly naked. Disturbingly naked, right, exactly. And especially when they have things like they, they had Rebel Wilson scratch, appeared to rub her- her genitals yes yes for like an extended period in the beginning it's really really weird um and and i know but we all know like what did robin williams say cats are like the drag queens of the animal kingdom right like who loves kitty like they are they are known for being very slinky sexually kind of uh, provocative <laughs> it's not my yeah, thing but that's okay. i was gonna i was gonna ask you guys if you know you never met a cat before i it's like you know and <laughs> Didn't seem, didn't seem that weird to me. Didn't seem that weird to me. And there wasn't right. any licking buttholes that I remember in this movie. Yeah, I don't know how so, Jellicle you know, Cats processed that whole thing. I there, honestly don't remember a single butthole from this movie. No. So there, I, I felt a little robbed in that sense. <laughs> sure. It's, it's the least believable thing. I mean, there were well, I mean, scenes. The, this movie did wake me up at, you know, five in the morning in a fucking cold sweat. So that's pretty cat-like. <laughs> Sure. It's, it's also, I mean, we did get scenes that were also questionable, like um, Jason Derulo 
doing a song while female cats lay arching their backs with milk splashing into their open mouths and all over their faces that i mean i i'm pretty sure that uh um what is it it was a kiara that did my milkshake like i'm pretty sure she could oh, yeah. sue uh hooper at this point <laughs> because it's just straight up you know bringing the boys to the bar like it's just anyway um the other thing so the visuals are nightmarish part of the problem too is is that because cats is such a dance heavy show and that's really the standout was always the performance of all of these everyone had to be a really talented dancer acrobatics all that stuff even if the actors are doing those moves because uh they did i mean the lead is uh a, a white cat victoria is, is a ballet dancer like a she's, classically trained she's she's like a huge ballet star uh she took a sabbatical specifically to do this movie um and there's a lot more i want to it's a lot more i want to talk about her in particular and their use of her in this film uh her and name this is, is a friend Keska hayward hayward correct yeah, yeah. uh she plays victoria um and and she's an incredible dancer obviously and she's very underutilized and also again there's 3D rendering over their entire bodies. So even if people are doing impressive dance moves, it looks fake because there's a 3D mesh over them that limits all of the movement and the subtle changes in body. It looks fake. There was, it essentially defeats the whole purpose of having dancers. Um, and then you also have people cast that are not dancers. Uh, and that is a huge problem. Um, that, let's just, before I, I have a whole list. So let's just go, uh, Mandy, what was your expectation going into cats and what was your take uh, now that you've seen it. So I was lucky enough to see Cats on Broadway uh, back in the early 90s. I was not even a teenager yet. And it was fucking weird. <laughs> so uh, going into this movie, like that is 100% what I expected. That, that young formative experience going to Broadway possibly for the first time, seeing this weird as hell musical that I did not understand at all. Like, I remember one of the cats coming out of the trunk of a car. I think that was pretty cool that, like, the scale of, like, the props on the set were kind of made so that humans were more the size of cats. And then I remember them, like, coming out into the, like, down the aisles, basically, as part of the performance. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And that's, like, really all I remember. But it was really, really weird. Um, and then so going into this film, like, that's that's what I got again. I get to relive that experience. It, it met that expectation. <laughs> I watched it on my very small screen of my laptop. Oh, wait, no. Yes, I did. On the very small screen of my laptop. Uh, and so I don't think I experienced some of the visual issues that the rest of you are yeah, describing. Yeah, it probably improved with the, the rendering visuals. and stuff. Yeah, I'm like, this all looks fine. It's super weird that they don't have, like, poofy manes of hair like right. they did on the Broadway because I think that, like, made the kind of the illusion of the human humanoid cats a little more i don't want to say realistic because they're obviously not realistic but like but they didn't look like people palatable yeah like um versus like the sh i really dislike the short hair cats yeah. of this movie i just, it did not sit well with me i just thought it was a bad what do they call it today a choice when you say like <laughs> a bad choice yeah. it was a choice um it just it just uh it didn't seem to make a lot of sense um but yeah it was just like i was just like oh we're good to see the movie rendering of that really weird musical on broadway and they did it and then as it was and not a single butthole so i would like my money back please 
Nate. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know what kind of weird sanitized, um, you know, drivel they're feeding our children. Um, and of course, yeah. this is a holiday release. So they they really wanted this to be like a big, they were rushing it to be like a big holiday movie. And I just, I, and here's, I will say this. I fully got what I wanted when I watched this in theaters. I thought it looked like a waking nightmare. Like it actually is upsetting as everyone has said, which is, was the initial reaction to, the trailer even though the trailer is better rendered than the film and i think there's two things that are kind of it one you said it there's a lot of short hair cats in this and when you have people human bodies with short hair it looks more like some sort of cryptid creature than it does a cat or a person um and then you get the second thing where many not all but many of the broadway productions of cats and off-broadway productions etc they have the they paint on the cleft lip of a cat underneath the nose to the mouth and that's such a recognized feature of cat makeup for people that they don't have it in this at all. It's literally mm -hmm. just a human face put on mm -hmm. the front of what looks to be a 3D animated cat person. And mm -hmm. it's it's troubling. And also the ears, they actually did a pretty good job in the ear movements. Like they got the ears twitching to the right directions, all that stuff and going up, going back. But the problem is, is and we'll talk about this when we get into Catwoman too, the heads are bulbous. like. Mm -hmm. It's, it looks like they have like a full head of hair wrapped up underneath a bald cap and then they put ears on top of that. Like they have these really distended heads and it's upsetting. And part of the reason on when you see a dance show, everyone has these really, um, even if they're not quote unquote hypersexualized, these really skin tight bodysuits is that the idea is you're seeing the angles and the movements of the body itself. If you have big baggy clothes, it's just a different effect. It hides a lot. Right. So I get that. But when you don't have, as you said, the main or some sort of visual element to clue us in that this is not just a naked person writhing on screen. Um, it's and also like they added the breakdancing cats, which is probably the worst because even they could be really great B-boys and have like amazing moves, but it looks so 3D that it's a it's a nightmare. And they're just naked dudes with tennis shoes on. That's what it looks like. And it's and it's super upsetting. Uh, I, Greg, what was your experience with cats in this this movie and and viewing it for this podcast? Um, well, this was the second time I'd seen it. I saw it once um, on when HBO was like, "Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, just <laughs> fucking have that." Um, had a few drinks. Um, was you know astounded confused perplexed but you know what um uh oh and i looked it up uh, andrew lloyd weber did not do the lyrics uh apparently they took it straight from t.s Eliot and then um a man trevor nunn and richard stilgo um no idea but that's for for any theater people out there um but the the uh the music really blew me away um I love it. Um, the second time, I actually liked the film more. I liked it enough the first time. The second time, um, counter to, to Tad's reaction, which I think you lifted straight from um, Team America World Police, right? The the soliloquy about the guy being raped by the entire cast of Cats. I mean, I didn't intend to make that uh, make that reference, but sure, let's let's go with that. Let's feel like I was fucking violated by this movie the entire fucking time. You know, um, I'll agree with you. I think if you liked, I mean, if I'm a huge fan of the opera fan 
And if you like that sort of discordant, otherworldly element that Andrew Lloyd Webber likes to work in about 50% of his musicals, Cats has it. And you know it right from the yeah. opening. It's upsetting. The music puts you into this freaky mood. Um, mm-hmm. I will I, I will say, I think, I think this movie really draws the fine line that um, seems to kind of be a, a more common discussion nowadays of boomers, Gen Z, millennials. This is a film that is a hard line in the sand of we are not into the same things as our parents and their parents. <laughs> and this, this, bar- right? <laughs> yeah, this, this barely jumps the bar. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be the, the radical here to say, I think memory was boring as shit. It's, it's the one song in the musical that you're like, yep, it's, it's there. It, it teases some themes and it's really, you know, beautiful, whatever, whatever. I don't care. I'd rather listen to Gus the Theater Cat over and over again, um, which is a shame because you have, because I'm looking at the list here, you have Gus the Theater Cat, you have Shimbleshanks, the Railway Cat, great song. Great song. Maca- like the Mystery Cat, decent enough. Mr. Mistopheles, very uplifting, very fun, kind of this, you know, uh, you know, clench your, your, a, your fingers. A 20 minute diatribe that yeah. repeats itself three times with diminishing <laughs> returns. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then you get, you know, uh, Lady uh, Judy Dench at the end coming in to, to round it out, and you're like, great, great. But then it goes into just memory, no beautiful ghosts, just Jennifer Hudson doing memory. And Jennifer Hudson chops, chops for days. This song, fucking dry spell. <laughs> So oh. I'll, I'll disagree. I, I understand where you're coming from. I'll just, I, I think maybe part of it is, is, and I've said this a million times, memory feels like a B-side from Phantom of the Opera. It does not feel like a song that should be in Cats. And I think, I and because I love memory, um, but it doesn't quite fit as well. And let's, let's just talk about uh, McCavity's song. And let's talk about the catnip moment with the much made, uh, much oh, ado about no. nothing Taylor Swift scene. Oh, no. Um, this to me, critics were much kinder about this than I was when I saw it, both the first and this time. Now, I have nothing against Taylor Swift. I think many of her lyrics are immature, but she's a very catchy songwriter. And she, so, and she, she's smart because she doesn't have a huge range or anything, but when she writes her own music, like her albums, she writes for her range and for her abilities. So you never really struggle. You never feel like she's fighting notes or anything. Her song here, she cannot sing it. Like she just can't meet it. And so why she was cast is, is it's not a mystery. Cause I know why. And it's the same reason why almost all of this cast was cast money. Right. Exactly. Tad's making the money symbols. There is, like, this is one of those cases where theater people are just crying because there are countless people with amazing, better voices. You know, I mean, it's going to be hard to be Jennifer Hudson. And of course, she's been in these big Broadway productions uh, and for good reason. But you have people, I mean, Judy Dench is an amazing actress. She's god awful as a singer. And don't tell me it's of her age, even though, yes, she does sound like she might die on this. And I'm not digging her age, it's literally the breathiness of this. You go listen to the 1968 Cabaret, four years before Liza Minnelli did the theater version that Bob Fosse directed. I mean, the film version, which is amazing. Go listen to 1968's Cabaret. My wife played it for me with Judy Dench in that role. It is awful. It is just awful. She, she doesn't have the range and that's okay. Not everyone has the range. She's one of the best actors in the world. She doesn't need to sing. So don't put her in there. Now, 
apparently she was originally supposed to be a dual role in the original Broadway production of Cats, which, and she was supposed to sing Jennifer Hudson's part. Can oh you boggle this mind? Like what? I don't know what they're smoking in the UK at that point. Like what? My, I mean, 1981, it's just, I, I didn't, I knew cocaine was huge here in the eighties. I didn't know it was huge there because that's the only way that it, it somebody could have made that snap decision. But thankfully uh, she hurt her Achilles tendon and had to drop also out. also the only way that anyone made cats to begin with? Yes, I was about to say. Probably. cocaine. Probably. Um, and, and, and so, so let's- A whole lot of something. So let's go, <laughs> let's go through some of the cast here that was just a poor decision in my opinion. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on Victoria. I actually, I think I like her casting and we'll talk about it in a minute, but um, there's, there's a lot of uh, stupid casting here just to get people to come and see the movie. You have James Corden as Bustford Jones. I mean, Bustford Jones is not skin and bones. In fact, he's remarkably fat. Yeah, so. so I mean, and he, I understand his cast, but he can't sing. You know who I would have loved to actually see in that? John C. Riley. He would have been great oh, because yeah. he yeah. was fantastic in the film edition of Chicago, and he could have done a really fun job with that. Um, and again, he doesn't have a huge range, but he has the physicality and the the acting chops to work that role effectively. And that song doesn't need mostly uh, a huge range. Um, then you have Deuteronomy played by Judy Dench, as we mentioned. Now, this is a traditionally male role. So it's really, which is weird because I didn't know that when I went in to see the film initially. And I actually think, she, uh, I think she's better than a male role as far as that character. I think it should be a, a woman. It did um, make a lot more sense with her. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. see the show again and be like, oh, old Deuteronomy is a man. Like, yeah. like uh, why? There's yeah, so it, much. It old Egyptian icon iconography in the back of the movie, but it felt like they never really took advantage of it. Like, Oh, never. You, you, it's, you, it's, we're going to talk about that in Catwoman too. Um, uh, so, and then we've got Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. Now, Jason Derulo can sing, but he doesn't sing in this movie. Instead, they direct him to mumble, mumble, <laughs> whisper every line. Now, this is a big difference Anyone who's done theater knows that if you're used to singing like pop, uh, like this former punk vocalist, uh, and you go to do a theater show, they're like, hey, you need to enunciate. You need to enunciate. When you're doing pop, we don't care what you're saying. But when here, people have to follow the plot through your lyrics. I didn't know one goddamn word that Rum Tum Tugger said in this. It was just a series of vowels. There were no consonants. Um, and again, he, and he can dance, although some of those dance moves were not him uh, later on in the movie. Um, but, you know, whatever. He was cast for that. And he did, I'm sure, with what he could. But again, they needed to, they needed to have him smooth, like make the lines clear. So many of the songs in this, they're gibberish and they're hard to understand. And because they're gibberish, it makes it harder to follow. And then, so you have to enunciate very clearly. And that's one thing that another actor, Ian McKellen playing old Gus, he did very well because he has a, he has a fantastic speaking voice. He has zero range. Um, I'm pretty sure if he goes like uh, up one octave, his voice disappears into it's just negative a wind. Range. Yeah. Um, but I understood every word of his song. And I appreciate that. And of course, he's a fantastic actor. So I can understand casting him in that role. Um, again, I am more in a show like this, cast singers, 
for singing roles and cast dancers for dancing roles. But what are we going to do? Then we have Idris Elba as McCavity, who oh, has such a boy. great- My boy. Great, he's so great. Now, Idris Elba, I'm so glad that I got to see um, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad uh, again before I watched this for a second time because it reminded me how wonderful Idris Elba is because he actually does a great job at the little bit he's given in this. But here's my complaint. Um, and I've seen some other people make complaints about this and they are straight up racist sounding. Um, there are tons of racists out there. In this case, I do think there are some valid complaints that were worded badly. And that's, but again, there are lots of racists, so I'm not defending anyone. But the thing is, is that Idris Elba is a huge, beautiful, strong six pack man. He is the only like huge hulking male physique in this movie. Um, and so what happens when you take him, you strip him nude, and you cover his body with fine black fur, except for his face for some reason. Everyone else has face fur, but he doesn't. He does not look like a cat. He looks like no one else in the movie. It looks like you had him playing Bigfoot amidst a bunch of cat people. It's the weirdest thing. It was a terrible design decision. I don't get it. It didn't do a service to him. Um, it just was weird. And his, and his visual was so different on his face than everyone else's. We see he has green eyes. Okay, cool, whatever. Um, no one else has green eyes, whatever. No one else has, no one has reflective eyes in this entire movie, by the way. I don't know how they missed that cat fact. Uh, and he just, he doesn't look right compared to everyone else. And it's upsetting. And it's like singles him out even more as like the villain. And there's not a lot of story with this plot to give us understanding of why he's a villain. He's a magician. He makes people disappear. I, I don't know. He wants to be resurrected. Apparently he's a bad dude. Um, but he can't save it. Uh, he, he's not like a singer. Luckily, he doesn't really have that many singing lines. Um, he does a really awkward dance step up a staircase with Taylor Swift. Um, but I mean, he does fine. He just physically, they didn't do him any favors. He doesn't fit. Now, let's get to Taylor Swift, who was thrown in there simply to get people to see the movie and to buy the soundtrack. Now, she actually wrote that, uh, that pairing song with Memories with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now, I would say I kind of see that. I didn't think the lyrics were much more direct than they were in every other song. So it made total sense to me that she wrote that. It's not a bad addition. I was actually surprised. I liked that reprieve in between memory. Um, her song where she sings about McCavity, not written for her range, not at all. It, she can't sing it. She can't hit the notes. It was just, it was just embarrassing to watch because it, it's not even her fault. Um, but I just don't know why you would do that to your performer. Um, everyone else, you get Met Tally, who's, who's great as Cassandra, one of the side characters. Um, Robbie Fairchild plays Monkus Trap, the, the, the lead male cat. Um, he does great. He gives great face, but he doesn't look like a cat. He looks sort of like a chipmunk that's bipedal. Um, they, again, they don't do his face. They just have his face on a, on a body uh the human body with fur there's a lot of other people a lot of other dancers now we're officially going to get to me talking about francesca hayward now she played victoria aka the white cat um she's a principal ballerina at the royal ballet right like she is one of the best ballerinas um she's also a person of color her mother's kenyan and she is you know uh what most people i think would say uh she's black 
And that's fantastic. I love the idea of casting as your main ballerina in a dancing show, a black ballerina, especially since in recent memory, there's been so much discussion about how uh, black people are often ignored or pushed out of ballet because of their body types. Um, and the ability to, to gain muscle is often seen as a detriment to a ballerina. I mean, we all saw, you know, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Black Swan. I have thoughts on that too, but we'll get there someday. And, but what my issue was is that it's so weird to then cast her and make all of her white. It was so weird to me. Now, visually, I didn't know who she was. I don't follow ballet to that extent. Um, I knew I could tell she was a ballerina because she can dance. She's on point several times. And yet, it just shocked me that they whited out her skin. And we're not talking just her face to match the fur. Her hands are not furred. And she they made her a white person. And it's weird. I, especially since even if she's in the script referred to as the white cat, she has a name. It's Victoria. It's used in the show. And they never reference her being white in the show. Why would you do that? It just made no sense. Um, I, I guess you could, if you really want to play devil's advocate, you could say, well, from a design standpoint, it's easier to pick her out if all the other characters have darker fur and she has white fur. To which I say, you could change the fur to whatever the fuck you want. You know how I know? Because you just made a black person weirdly white. Okay? Now, I, it's this weird thing because often we talk about, um, you know, like a, a, a property where a character is traditionally a person of color being cast as a white person. Uh, and of course, we know that's wrong. The whitewashing is, is real. But then we get this weird form of whitewashing where you're like, oh, this talented, uh, excellent dancer that we want to cast is black. So let's make her white. It's so weird. I just don't get it. Did anybody else like that just blew my mind because I, I didn't know that she was a person of color. Uh, until I went and said, oh, I'm curious because she's clearly a ballerina. We don't see too many actual ballerinas on, in film. Uh, and I looked her up and I was totally shocked and blown away. And watching it again, I was even more shocked at how she's not just white. She's like straight up 2%, don't even, she's skim milk in this movie. It's weird. Um, I don't know if anybody else has feelings on that, but I feel like that's just another form of whitewashing that I can't believe, I think because the movie was such a, such an insane experience and so offensive to so many senses, that fact that would have been another film that was more competently executed, it would have been a huge focus of discussion. I didn't hear one peep about that. Just throw I, another burning cardboard box on this trash fire, dude. <laughs> I mean, it, it really was rough. Now, um, yeah, I think the whole uh, CGI kind of unfortunately dominated. <laughs> like, I think you're right on. I think it was a little bit of whitewashing. It, it's not great. I'm looking at like a picture of McCavity since he talked about Idris Elba. And this is from like the 1998 film version. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm pretty positive this is like a black man playing McCavity in this film version yep. too. And I believe so. They, it, the color scheme is radically different radically different and it works in 98 bbc production yes yes and it, and it gives him a little bit more of like almost like a lion look but like yeah. if a lion was like multicolored dark colors like 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 it's 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 a much better choice so i'm i'm not really shocked with uh 
Francesca Hayward as Victoria the White Cat played by a black woman and sure. Idris Elba as um, we've we've made you solid black as much as we can and yeah. I guess you're a cat who knows who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now I, I, we've railed on this it's time to move on I hope you guys have gotten some because there's a lot of there's a lot of background info about this movie it had production problems um Tom Hooper said that he was literally editing and re-editing this past release <laughs> as as the updated release then showed and it just there's just so many bad decisions now i'll start with recommendations would i recommend this actually yeah there's there's actually i actually enjoyed this in the theater now unlike greg i actually didn't like it as much the second time and i think that's a, probably an effect of not seeing it on the on the theater versus the theater because seeing it in theater was kind of great because it's a giant set piece movie um I will throw this in there. If you're upset by scale problems, like continuity issues, like scale, you will lose your mind over this movie. You will lose your mind. I cannot believe that they made this big a budget movie and didn't like whoever did continuity, I could pull through the credits, but I don't want to shame that poor person because I know they had a really bad year uh, leading up to this because you have James Corden taking bites out of lob fake lobsters that he can hold in his hands like a human. And then you have these like these cockroach sized cats running along one rail of a railway going into the station. Like they're, they're literally the size of like cockroaches. And then you have cockroaches that change in size from scene to scene of which apparently and cats eat cockroaches a lot, which is not something I've ever seen a cat do. Joe's apartment all over again. Oh, we're gonna talk about Joe's apartment. Don't you badmouth my man, Joe. No, 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 but no. I'm I saying yeah. this is an insult to Joe's apartment. It is an insult. It is an insult. Um, Joe's apartment, uh, Jerry O'Connell, MTV's first feature film. Anyway, I, it, the scale is wild. It's super wild. One of my favorite scenes is the, um, I, I'm forgetting the names. It's the two, the brother sister cat who are essentially mischief makers and, and thieves. And they take Victoria into, in the film version, into a, a human's bedroom and they dress her up in jewelry and then tear everything up. And then when somebody starts to come, they leave and she's stuck there. And Mr. Mistopheles, who is her like doofy uh, love interest kind of, it's open, which is. Fun. I think you're talking about a, what Rumple Teaser and Mungo Jerry. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, yes. Now, <laughs> yeah, classic, classic it's, character names. It's it's notable because in the in the stage play and and in this film they have Cockney accents. Um, Rumple Teaser, I actually don't know that she has a Cockney accent. She kind of does. I don't think she does in real life, but I actually really like their pair. And something that was interesting is the melody of this song was rewritten for this movie um and if you you can watch the original if you go check out as we mentioned the bbc 1998 uh filmed version they it's not bad but i actually really enjoyed their set in this film i actually think on the whole it's the best production number in this movie um personally uh, I do, of course, as I've said, I, I've sang Jennifer Hudson's praises because she's a great actress and has an amazing voice, but there's two problems with her performances, and I don't think it was her mistake. I think it was directing mistake. It was a choice that I, I didn't like. She never gets to truly belt the full song. She gets to belt like once, and they have her do the heavy acting over it. So she's she's literally crying. She's got streams coming out of her nose. She's sobbing while she's doing the lyrics. Now, 
we could see that Tom Hooper loves that shit from the Hugh Jackman Les Miserables. Um, that was a big deal in that. Now, it is a really great tool when you're working with people who don't have a great range for the song because you can hide all manner of sins by acting your way through the song. Um, but when you have someone who can legitimately obliterate a song, like Jennifer Hudson, what, why are you handcuffing her talent behind her back while she's doing these numbers? It made no sense. Plus, what hateful white person did they have doing her makeup? Because she literally looks like they painted her, her like uh, mouth and chin with like like steel metal, like some awful like white person's highlighter. It's it's not good. And because you have like ninety percent close-ups, which we also know Tom Hooper loves from Les Misérables, um, it just looks it looks bad. It looks like an actual stage production where somebody's been sweating off the makeup and hasn't done, they ha they can't do a lot of touch-ups and they're filming it. But this is not the case with this movie. So it's it's just another example of of rough. But did I enjoy this movie? Hell yes, I enjoyed this movie. If you want it in a non-ironic way, and I'm not saying the, the songs, the music is catchy. The lyrics are stupid. The music is catchy. The, and the effects are a beautiful obscenity, to quote John Waters. Like, it's a beautiful obscenity. Like, I really liked how upsetting it made me feel because that's one of the things I love about a good monster movie. Um, and that had that. So I do recommend it. But I'm going to go to Tad. Tad, do you recommend 2019's Cats? And if so, why and to who? You know, I thought about um, the way you put your recommendation, and I thought to myself, would I recommend watching a few people ride around in an apartment on a heavy LSD trip? No, I still wouldn't. Um, so I don't recommend this. Um, this movie... Um, officially added Jellicle to my banned words for all time ever list. And I'm glad that this word never actually got into popular vernacular. Um, this movie made me lose faith in Western civilization. Um, and it also, maybe to touch on something that, that Greg and you touched on, this movie almost felt like it was supposed to be a love letter back to old, like, you know, end of the 19th century vaudeville and sort of like everything that went through Hollywood and Broadway through up until the 1960s and failed miserably at every turn. Andrew Lloyd Webber is a hack and he's never done anything good. And I'm not sorry for saying it. Fuck it. Now, I, of course, will fight you on Phantom of the Opera, but That's I, okay. under I understand. I am not actually a huge fan of a lot of his works. He seems like a great guy. His interviews, go watch his interviews uh, on with BBC and NPR and PBS on uh, YouTube. They're all there and, and they're, they're actually quite delightful. Um, I was, I'm surprised when I saw him the first time talk about how exuberant he was because he sort of looks like what we think of as like Schubert, you know, like this composer that's super serious all the time. Um, and, <laughs> but I get it. And just so everyone understands what we're talking about with the lyrics and the word jellical, the first song says the word jellical 66 times. The rest of the movie, the entire rest of the movie, it's about an hour and 45 minutes, an hour and 44, says it 62 times. That means that we get hit with it in several minutes, 66 times. And then it's peppered throughout the thing. So it's 128 times that they say the word jellical. That's like having um, a 007 movie where they say 007 128 times. That means that for the typical 007 movie, 
let's say the Pierce Brosnan era, okay? Because they were a little shorter. That means that a hundred, that means that they had to say it more than once a minute in a two hour film in 007. They'd have to say 007 every single minute of the movie and then some. That's and how many times it, they say Jellicle in this movie. And we get it like fucking like 10 times in a minute. It just, just, just keep just Jellicle, keep Jellicle, Jellicle. That's a Jellicle. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, and T.S. Eliot, look, I, I, you've done some great things uh, in, in, your, in your, your prior life. Great poet. Uh, this was not to me one of them um, because it was really an example. It was like he decided to make Jabberwocky uh, a, 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 an epic poem. And it became just an excuse to rhyme shit. And I'm not a fan of that. And so by extension, I'm not a fan of the lyrics in this show. Now, again, I think memory is a different story. I think it belongs in a different, a different show. Uh, and I would like to hear Jennifer Hudson sing it, not uh, blowing snot bubbles out of her nose uh, for Tom Hooper. All right, Mandy, would you recommend Cats? And if so, why and to who? Nah, not really. Like, like I, you guys had such strong, like, emotional reactions to this, and I just basically shrugged as sort of what my recommendation would be. It's just a shrug. Meh. And <laughs> I think it's valid. And also, I think, too, the movie does suffer from the fact that if you haven't, if you're not familiar, if you don't know theater people or you don't live in New York, you don't under, you, you just know Cats is famous. You don't know that Cats is also incredibly confusing and impossible to follow. So you would be extra double slammed with watching the Cats movie because you're like, oh, this is famous, but also insane. Um, whereas if you've seen it before, you know, it's crazy. Like, I mean, there's a reason that they made fun of it on Hey Arnold, that one episode where Helga and her dad go and accidentally see Rats, the musical, and they just laugh at it the whole time. Um, so like, I get it. Um, and also we've done a disservice to about 50%, maybe less, maybe 35% of the population who think this is actually a brilliant metaphor because we didn't have any of them on the panel today. So if you guys listening out there would like to write in and tell me why I am an idiot and I don't know anything and Cats is the greatest show uh, ever created, then go ahead and send that to me at coltonclassicpodcast.gmail.com. But we're going to wrap this up with Greg. Greg, would you recommend Cats 19, uh, 2019's film, yes or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I mean, I'd throw it out to theater people. I mean, I think that that's kind of the nail on the head. That said, are all theater people going to like it? Not, not at all. <laughs> um, uh yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's kind of insane. I think it's one of the few movies I've seen that I really see as a social film. Um, I think you should see it with someone. You know, if you want to crack open a drink, like, go right ahead. It won't hurt. Um, you know, obviously, there's a whole another discussion about film generally being all social through the nature of seeing it in a cinema, most likely. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. It's stupid. It's entertaining. We're sitting here having a discussion about it. And if it was truly the worst fucking thing ever, we'd, we'd, we'd have nothing to say versus having filled up a better part of an hour now. Um, and, and for anyone wondering... Oh, for anyone wondering, the book is called Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by yeah. T.S. Eliot. Uh, if you want to literally just read the song lyrics, I mean, they're just right fucking there. Like, they're straight lifted, pretty much. So. And I believe that's public domain now, isn't it? 
I think so. I think think regardless, you can find it online. uh, Yeah, it's it's cheap. So, uh, but yeah, so that's it for this episode. uh, Part one of Cat Scratch Fever. We talked about 2019 uh, film Cats. Uh, I'm really excited. And I agree. It's not the worst movie ever. Those of you listening to this podcast, you know what true bad cinema can be, Um, especially when it's bad enough to not be funny. Uh, or interesting or entertaining or to give you to learn something from. We've talked about some of them on this podcast. Uh, Go back through our archives. But this is one of those films where it gets extra points docked because it had a lot of stuff going for it. Money, 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 money. Um, And they really just shot themselves in the foot with this. So this is uh, going to wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for being on the panel. Thank you, listeners. Please rate us uh, five stars or 10 stars, whatever the highest rating is and wherever you get your podcast, leave us a review. It helps other people find us because that's what tells the podcast app to recommend us to people. And uh, send us your recommendations, hate mail, questions, comments. Hey, I want to be on your podcast. Send all that crap to me uh, at cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. Also follow us on Facebook uh, and Instagram at cultandclassicpodcast. We post there at least twice a day for your viewing pleasure scroll away send us dms whatever and uh, next week we will be back with part two of cat scratch fever with the halle berry vehicle catwoman Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.